0: Who's ready to get into the word? Yes. So we, I have the privilege of introducing Pastor Ron Cox, and I haven't met him before, but the joy of the Lord is on him. I'm just telling you, this couple is amazing. I just, the Holy Spirit's on them. So I'm just going to be professional in this moment and read briefly this bio. But I I just say that's enough because you'll see it. Um, But he is an alumnus of Southeastern University. Pastor Cox spent nearly 45 years as a senior pastor, most recently serving Kingwood Church in suburban Birmingham, Alabama for 35 years. Um, He led Kingwood through a long season of sustained growth. Since his transition out of the role of senior pastor in 2009, the church has continued to be the epicenter of effective local ministry and world missions impact. Amen. Possessing the heart of a pastor combined with the vision of a missionary, Ron Cox brings a passionate message of the power of the local church to accomplish the Great Commission. Kingwood Church continues to be one of the leading mission sending and missions giving churches in America. And he is married to Suzanne Cox and they continue to reside in Alabaster, Alabama, where his children, praise God, continue to pastor Kingwood Church and carry the legacy. Come on, would you give him an honorable New Beginnings welcome?
1: Amen. I tell you, a bio, I never knew that. That's the first time I heard that bio. That's me, huh? Okay. Fantastic. You know, tonight, I tell people I'm not that great of a preacher, but I'm fun to watch. Let me check with the whole audience. Grandma said, one picture is worth a... I'm going to give you a lot of pictures, okay? Most people forget what the preacher, even the preacher forgets what he preached. 70% of what the preacher preached, even himself, forgets before he gets to the car and puts his hand on the car door, and we forget 70%. But you'll never forget a picture, so click, click, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you something else. I am tweetable, I don't even know what that means. I understand that's just about over with now. New stuff has taken its place. The only tweet I knew was when I was young, and there was a song out. All the little birdies on Jaybird Bird Street love the little birdies going, sweet, 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 sweet. You are brilliant. You're brilliant. So, let me turn it that way and right there. So, we're going to talk, and we're going to have a good time. I want to talk to you tonight about a blacksmith breakaway remnant. What in the world is that? Inside of a retreating church, we got denominations now that are being divided and split asunder. In a day when the enemy is very united, the church finds itself divided. I want us tonight to talk about some things And we're going to see what God wants to do for us. I want us to look at a couple events in the history of our own country. Some of you are going to say you're so negative, hang on. It's going to get positive. Let's look at two tragic events that happened in our past history. None of us, I don't think, were around for the first. No, there wasn't. The first took place on a beautiful Sunday morning on December the 7th, Sunday morning in 1941. You couldn't have picked a more beautiful spot as the sun rose over Pearl Harbor at 7.55 a.m. in the morning. People were getting ready to go to church. Life is going to be normal today. Nothing's going to interrupt the beauty of our day. Suddenly, suddenly, or was it? Suddenly, 190 Japanese warplanes launched from six Japanese aircraft carriers. Here's the key that had <coughs> silently slipped into the harbors within striking range. How did that happen? Shattering the picturesque morning, calm. They began, you heard the buzz, here they come. Relentlessly, they began bombing the airfields and the harbors. Oh, we had the ships, we had the equipment, we had the means to destroy them, except they were in the harbors. They were shut down, they were idle. They stepped in, they were docked. Nobody believed it. They were not battle ready. In a matter of minutes, minutes, not hours, not strategy session, minutes. The Japanese warplanes did their job. They turned around and they buzzed back over the horizon. Disappearing, leaving behind, let me give you this statistic, 2,404 American soldiers dead within a few minutes. 1,145 wounded. Five battleships destroyed. Two destroyers reduced to rebel. 21 ships severely damaged. President Roosevelt stood up and shock and amazement is everybody. And he said, this will go down. This day will live on in infamy. How did that happen? Well, it can happen now, really. Picture the second one. Some of you around then, you know where you were. In fact, where it happened was less than 80 or 90 miles from here. How many remember you were on 9-11? You remember Katie Kirk on TV? Some of the young people go, who's that? The second one took place September the 11th, 2001. It was just another beautiful day. September the 11th at 8.45 in the morning. The taxis were moving up and down the streets of New York When 19 Islamic terrorists slipped into the inner harbors of American life with ill intent, we never dreamed that people would have that kind of ill intent. They hijacked four American aircraft, not with weapons and bombs, box cutters, box cutters. Is it the weapon in your hand or is it the heart that you possess? Crashing two planes into the trade towers. Put the trade tower back on there. Those were two of our most splendid architectural designs. Then they crashed one into the Pentagon One plane was believed targeted for the Capitol or the White House if it wasn't due to the bravery of the people on board willing to give their lives for the cause, and the plane crashed into a Pennsylvania field. It could have been worse when it was all said and done. I remember Katie Kirk. She said the first one, that must have been pilot error. It had to be. Nobody would do that. And then while she was on the air, another plane to create more damage came lower and crashed into the side. She said, we're under attack. Now listen, what am I saying? Please don't. There's a time to laugh and there's a time to whistle and say nothing's going to But there's a time, time to come alive as a church. And I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm calling for spiritual blacksmiths. And spiritual blacksmiths are not just men. They're women. It's about a heart. Now listen, when it was all over, they were reduced to rubble. Not only that, not just 2,000, but over 3,000 men and women in a matter of hours 3,000 lost their lives. My question is, how close, I don't really know, do you? How close has the enemy gotten into our spiritual harbors that he has real intent? The Bible says in the last days, our children will be crying in the streets. Mama bears, rise blacksmiths. Say in the name of Jesus, you're not getting my grandkids. How close has he come, executing his plans of destruction to come in, steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is very united as the church finds itself Not in unity in many ways across this country. Evidenced on many fronts. Let me, we can't go into it long, but let me just give you some bullet points. Who would have thought? Evidenced right now by the accelerated erosion of morality, the gender confusion as never. Who would have known? utter disregard for the value of the unborn. They don't want to just take their lives a little bit. Wait till the head comes out and then take the child. The rise of secularism and socialism and religious pluralism. The dismantling of a sanctity of marriage is unbelievable. The global pandemic, you went through that. The riots, the political divide, Christian values being openly threatened without any apology, justice being perverted, accelerated internal anxieties and fears are are stalking inside of the lives of even our youngest children. You say, boy, I could have gone to church somewhere else. Stay with me. I believe this church can face it. Listen to me. I believe with all of my heart. I may never see you again, but I believe under the leadership of this pastor and his wife that this church is soon to become a city of refuge. Open up the doors. The prodigals are coming home. justice, violence stalks our streets, accelerated internal anxiety. America has become so open-minded today that our brains are falling out. Amen. What is going on? It's beyond my pay grade. You got all the answers? I'm like Jehoshaphat. I've been preaching for 50-some years. I don't know what to do, Lord, but my eyes are upon thee. Yes. I tell you where I am. I'm hungrier right now for God than I've ever been in my life. Amen. I hope you don't necessarily look for a structured sermon, but you'll look into the eyes of this old preacher and realize how hungry for God I am. Amen. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. In many ways, it feels Like we're on board the Titanic. We're floating along. What, What was that we hit? Well, it's beneath the surface. I can't explain it, so let's just keep going. Then all of a sudden you find out that the boat is tilting and you're taking in water. Pastor, this is no time for churches to talk about rearranging deck chairs. This is a time to mingle our tears and sing nearer, my God, to thee. If one can put a thousand to flight, all of us together can put thousands and thousands to flight. Listen to me. Listen on the inside. It's become apparent, it's becoming more and more apparent. That a supernatural awakening is the, our only hope. Our answer's not gonna be found. Yes, do your political diligence. But the the and it's true that the answer is not gonna be found at the White House or the courthouse. It's gonna be found in God's house, in your house. Right. That's the answer. How many know the church is the only change agent? How many are glad you're a part of the blood bought church of Jesus Christ? This is not the time for easy believism. Convenient, comfortable, non offensive, felt need preaching that is allowing people to buy in without selling out. It ain't working. We travel all over in every size of church. It isn't working. The pick and choose, cut and paste, on your terms, go at your own pace, expecting all God has to offer without you offering anything back in return. There will be no supernatural move of God until there is a natural response. We want joy, but we want it without cost. We want character, but we want it without sacrifice. We want success, but we want it without failure. We want gain, but we want it without pain. A testimony, but without a test. We want a revival, but we Pentecostals have got power. All you have to do is say, yay. Not true. Nay. Nay. You ready for me to leave now, or can I finish? God is about to do something. Pastor, you're going to see a new heart, a blacksmith heart, a new, you've put it in them, but I'm going to tell you, they're more responsive and are ready. They're going to be called. I'm calling the blacksmiths in just a little bit, and we're going to start seeing an acceleration. Harvest is coming! I'm preaching myself, you're doing good, son. In a world of high-tech, listen to me, this is definitely tweetable. In a world of high-tech and media intrusion, it's time for you to start eliminating some of the unnecessary clutter that's going into your minds of this world and begin to develop a hunger and a broken dependency upon God like you've never had before. Here's your word. You talked to me the other day about, you man of God, you and your wife. You've spoiled us this week. I ain't going home. You're going to adopt me. Isaiah 58, you said, Seek. Seek me daily. Listen, delight to know my ways. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer if you cry for help, and he will say, here I am. Seek. That is an imperative word. It means effort, passion, and urgency. Do you have that kind of hunger? most of us know how to do church with our eyes closed and our spirits cut, shut down we got church down pack how many believe Jesus wants his church totally back it's time for the fire of God to descend Elijah said okay Baal show me what you got he stood back oh Baal 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 Baal, Baal. <laughs> now it's my turn The enemy's showing us what he's got, but our turn is coming. Listen, he built an altar, and he said, pour water all over it. I ain't going to pour the water, but pour water. Listen to me. It's time for the fire of God to descend on on tear-soaked altars again. We have made church as cool as we can make it. It's now time to let him rise with healing in his wings. I don't believe our problem today is that we're not full enough. I think we're too full. The Pharisees were totally full. And when Jesus showed up, they didn't know who he was. I think we're not empty enough. Does God have to wedge his way into your plans to really be who he wants to be? I want you to picture this mountain. Show this mountain. There it is. Have you ever noticed when you're traveling, you could say, I can climb that mountain, but you're two miles away. Excuse me. I I, I still climb that mountain. Oh. I believe I can climb that mountain. I think I can climb it. I long for its peaks so I can take into my spiritual lungs the purified air of its peaks, its views. Oh, God, I didn't know you were that big. I don't think I can climb that mountain without your help. That's the next thing, not Pentecostal arrogance, but people are going to cry out, oh, God, you got to help me. Yes. You following me? Yes. Stay with me. Listen to me. I long for it's restricted views, but the more we go. God is about to raise up a remnant of people. What are you talking about, a remnant? Of unshakable integrity and unquenchable hunger. Not even performance or giftings, though God will use your giftings. In other words, let me tell you who they are. Those who won't allow, listen to me, older generation, those who won't allow the dead embers of your past victories to to replace a fresh fire encounter with God tonight. Those who won't be caught without oil in their lamp. Jesus, when he rips this earth, this cloud's like a dirty tablecloth. You're not gonna be searching for oil. You're gonna be full of the oil of God when he comes. Those who won't be intimidated going through narrower gates just to be accepted and be cooler by, for the many who go through the broad gate. Who cares? I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about holy huddles. Oh, I know everything about gold. I'm not talking that silliness. I'm talking about a hunger for God. I'm not talking about when I talk about a remnant. There is a separation from this world. I'm going to tell you something. The problem, Isaiah, not Isaiah, but but uh, Elijah. Elijah said to the people of God, he saw the day in which they lived. He said to his people, if God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, then give it all you got for Baal. What a statement. You know how the people of God responded? Here it is. You listen. Nothing's louder than this. And the people said nothing. My wife lost her voice, my first wife. There was nothing louder in my home than quietness. Are you hear me? Listen to me. The Bible says that we become like a wild bull Israel can become like a wild bull caught in a net. Why is a wild bull strength power? Stamina, fire. Why not behind an iron gate? Why not behind block walls? Why a net? See, you never know. The enemy is crafty. A little by little, he doesn't put a net over you. He takes little strands. I can stay up, men. I can stay up at night and watch that. Nobody's perfect. All right, I have, nobody is perfect. I could snap that string anytime I got ready. There ain't no big deal. Preacher, nobody's perfect. Then you put that strand, and you justify an unforgiveness. You throw that. Name it, whatever you want to name it. For long. You're justifying all the way, and you got strands. What are you justifying? And you throw something. See, Satan does not build the net. You do. You offer him the strands of justifying. He is good at tying knots. He'll take one justifiable thing you know's wrong and attach it to another. And before long, the bull kicks here and it tightens up there and he falls to the ground and has potential for God, but he's carried off anywhere that they want to take him. That's why you got to stay attuned to God. Don't accept justifiable. Deal with your life at the start. String level, not at the net level. So Satan has four strategies. Are you ready? Then we're going to get into this text. And we got 6.57. I got about 15 minutes. What? (laughs) Satan has four strategies to destroy us. He wants to disarm us from Pentecostal power. He wants to distract us from divine purpose. He wants to disable us from divine productivity, and he wants to destroy you from the God-given potential that he's put in you. How many still believe, no matter how dark it gets, that darkness still flees at the mention of his name? How many believe, no matter how dry and disconnected, how many believe that dead bones can still live again? How many believe that flowers, however dry, can still bloom in the desert? How many believe you serve a God like that? The world hasn't seen it. Jesus is about to stand up in God's people. Blacksmiths are about to come forth. You ain't seen nothing yet. Let me give you the quick story. First Samuel. Verse 2, let's look at it. Samuel selected, Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army and he sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men went to make the hill country and the other 1,000 went with Saul, his son Jonathan to Gibeah and Benjamin. I want you to know Saul had 3,000 people who were willing to be warriors. How many believe this is a battle? We don't just sit and worship Jesus. How many know the enemy wants our kids? It's time to be blacksmith. Where's my blacksmith? Come here, blacksmith. Where's my blacksmith? Is he coming? I believe he's coming. There he comes. I choose the young generation Listen, I'm 79. I don't want to have an old folks revival alone. I want you and I to team up. I've got to have you, and you got to have me. Put that on. Strap it on, blacksmith. Take his hammer in your hand. Not real hard, but hit down on that little anvil. Hit it again. Hit it. That's the new song that's going to be sung. Look at verse 5. The Philistines mustered a mighty army. Listen, God's army, they had 3,000 people willing to do war. Yay, 3,000 in your church? Well, let's look at the enemy in verse 5. He had 3,000 chariots and 6,000 charioteers. And as many warriors as the grains of the sand. I was out on the sandy. No, I don't want to count the sands. Do you ever feel outnumbered? Of the seashore, they camped at micmash Now, listen to me. They went up and camped. But one of the Philistine raiding parties advanced. You remember the stories where they came into the harbors? At 9-11, World War II? One of the enemy's armies came within two miles and they camped on a hillside, set out on a search and destroy mission, armed and poised and ready to take out the people of God in the heat of battle. Look how people, God's people responded, did they blood so- Did they tear soaked the altars? Look what happened in verse 6 and 7. we we'll just read, the men of Israel saw, say saw. saw. I'm telling you, you got to look deeper than horizontal. You got to look internally. And they saw what a tight spot they were in because they were hard pressed by the enemy. So they went off. God loved their anointed souls. They went off and hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes Paul Saul who only served God for 2 years of his 40 years Saul went off into in a shade tree probably had a hammock and was eating pomegranates juice pomegranate juice down his face God love him But I go to church every Sunday They sought to find hiding places Places of retreat and non-involvement. Then others, due to fear, they left, they said, "We're through. We're out of here." They found themselves in a spiritual survival mode, a comfortable complacency, a miserable mediocrity that can happen to you so quick, even in an atmosphere of spiritual fire. They went AWL. They left. Remember, today's, this is tweetable, today's spiritual indecisions will become your tomorrow's captivity. The opposition seemed too great. Just because the church is talking about a coming battle doesn't mean she's ready for that battle. We got the words down right. But tonight, God, in a few minutes... Is going to call a blacksmith remnant. In verse 19, let's look what happened. So you see the predicament. There were no, what were there? No, there were no what, what? No blacksmiths in the land in those The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear, God love them, that they would make swords and spears. Isn't that a spiritual pitifulness? They went to the enemy to get sound familiar in our country? I just got back from Texas. No oil wells are moving, but we'll get it from... We got to go to the enemy's camp and get what we need. Hit that one more time, blacksmith. Say you were coming and saying, devil, you ain't getting my... my my, my, my brother, he's, he's on drugs, but you ain't getting him. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to be a blacksmith. And this is what I'm going to do to your head. Hit that. <laughs> you got any of that in you? or you coated with familiarity. God's people had no skills. Why the blacksmith? Because they, had not on, they not only didn't have any blacksmith, but they had no weapons, and they had no means to get any, and they had no skills. But worse than that, they had no desire. Only blacksmiths have a desire to get the weapons. Right. The situation was bad from worse. The enemy's doing the same thing today. He's trying to remove our blacksmith heart. Let me give you what a blacksmith is. A blacksmith are those that will advocate the heat of the Spirit. They love heat. They love fire. They're not embarrassed by it. Yeah. They love hammering on the Word. Hit it. The Word of God quicker than any two-edged sword. The Word of God separates. It it lets us go free. A blacksmith grinds out godly discipline. They sharpen the cutting edge of their walk with God. No no, no swords but two. Show me the blacksmith's sword. There's the blacksmith. That looks just like me with my shirt off. <laughs> yeah, you believe that, right? Show the other one of the blacksmith. They don't mind the heat. They don't mind shaping a life. They'll pick you up where you are, yeah. but the fire is going to change you. Yeah. Blacksmith says, don't leave me where I am. Let the fire fall. Yes. Let the enemy do. He hadn't seen anything yet. I'm about to rise as a blacksmith. Yes. Shoo. Mm-hmm. He's stolen our swords, causing us to live on feelings and popular opinions instead of thus saith the Lord. So what did Israel do? Verse twenty, since they didn't have but two swords, so wherever they need, they needed to sharpen. God loved their hearts. Whenever they needed to sharpen their plowshares they'd go to the enemy's camp and the enemy was two miles away from him ready to destroy him. And they went to the enemy and said, would you sharpen? The enemy don't have anything that I need him to sharpen in my life. <laughs> Jesus is all that I need from the back row. Is he all you need? Yes. Why didn't he at least do this? Okay, I'm hungry physically, but it's more important that I do a spiritual battle than have my own personal needs. Why didn't he strap a piece of wood on that and use that as a spear? Right. But our felt needs are in front of everything else, and we're suffering with our own children and our own country the plow bay, focusing on what benefits us, not defeat the enemy. What in the world? But you don't understand. You don't understand what the devil has done to me. He has taken all the swords. We only got 300 soldiers left against thousands. We feel outnumbered, don't we? How many know God isn't in his hands wondering what's going to happen? How many know one and God make a majority? Blacksmiths arise. Deuteronomy says, no matter what the enemy has stolen, under their feet, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, under their feet was rocks made out of iron and (laughs) copper. Everything that it took to make a new weapon. So if you don't sit around and and say, I can't do, you don't know what the enemy has stolen from me. Get a shovel in your hand and start digging. Start digging. Under my feet, there is everything God has provided. Take that and put it in the fire. You might have felt like that. But when you put it in the fire, he'll make a weapon out of you. Give the Lord the praise. So, what finally happened? Show me the fire, picture of a fire. Blacksmiths are going to say to you, Pastor, when you run out of breath trying to keep the fire burning in this church, count on me. I got breath. When you go rest a while, and I'll keep the fire burning. How many want to be a blacksmith? Blacksmith! Shh. A blacksmith. I'm going to show you a picture. Show me that picture, of that painter. Now you say, "What the world is that?" Just real quickly, just somebody. Don't try to overanalyze it. Tell me what you see, just real quick. Somebody, what do you see? A bird. Give her a hand. (laughs) Somebody else, see anything else? What do you see? An egg. Boy, you're incredible. The the intelligent level of this church is out of this world. One more person. What do you see? What? She sees a bird, a rooster. I want you to look at him. This is a blacksmith heart. This is the heart of your pastor and his wife. Let me tell you, look at it real close. Only God will use churches as cities of refuge when that picture is alive in your church notice he's got skills but he, who is he looking at his talents who's he looking at He's looking at the smallest thing in the, and that is the egg. Our young generation are encrusted by the enemy, and they're gonna have blacksmiths that, that that are gonna paint their potential and say, "Little egg, understand, you're about to crack open, and you're gonna fly. The enemy's not gonna keep you where you are any longer." Spiritual fathers. Arise, look at the egg, and say, I believe in you. You're going to crack open. Finally, in closing and closing and closing, Jonathan was with his father-in-law hiding, and he said to his armor-bearer, he had one sword, 250 was waiting to destroy them. He said, I'm not staying here anymore. I would rather climb that hill on maybe... Maybe God will. I don't even have the total answer, but I don't have to move on a total answer. I that the enemy has done all he's gonna go to and he's gotten as close as he's gonna get. Pastor, don't worry. I've got breath in my lungs. I'm gonna keep the fire burning. I'm with you. We're gonna get it done. Yeah! He said, don't tell my dad. How many know you can't tell everybody your vision? There's a lot of wet blankets to put your fire out. Be careful who you tell. He didn't even tell his father. And he said to the blacksmith, will you go with me? I mean, to the armor bearer. And the armor bearer said, do whatever's in your heart. He said, I would rather die climbing that mountain than sit here under a pomegranate tree with its juice running down. I would rather drown in my own blood. Let's go, show the hill. Show them climbing up the hill. There they go. See the people at the top? They looked up, 250 people, and thousands in the army, two miles from striking distance. Hello, 9-11, hello. They said, look at that, where y'all been? You think you're going to win with that little? How many know it's not going to be easy to be a blacksmith? Don't think that you're going to receive popularity. People are going to mock you and say, "You, you ain't all that in a bag of chips. What do you mean? I ain't coming to you in my own strength. I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. I got one sword, but he said if I'll use the one sword that he's got a whole arsenal ready to pound on your head. And he climbed up rocks, and the Bible says those rocks were so sharp that they literally, listen to me, if you decide to be a blacksmith, your flesh is going to be cut. But when he got to top, he whipped them. One sword against 250. And then the Bible says, all of a sudden, after the mocking of hell, God sends an earthquake. Hit that one more time, blacksmith. One more time. He sends an earthquake. It shakes. The enemy turns and begins to fight one another. I'm seeing a little bit of that going on right now. The enemy begins to flee. The people embedded in the Philistine army said they left. That's the prodigals are coming home. They might have your child for a while, but blacksmith, they're coming home. Saul's army came out of hiding. God love them. And in a battlefield that should have been stained with their blood. God cracked it open and honey came out. Oh, there's honey in the rock. My brother, you don't even know what that song is. Stand with me. Here's what I want. I want the musicians to come. That first song that you sang is an incredible song for this, but I want every one of you, you may not know what God wants to do with you, you may not even go to this church on a regular, but you want God to do something in you that you're not going to stay, if you got the gears in your car, you're not going to stay in park. You're not going to be in reverse. You're not going to be in neutral. You're going to say, by God's grace, I'm, I'm putting the pedal to the metal. How many believe it's time to take off our spiritual flip-flops and put on combat boots? Does anybody believe that? Blacksmiths, You got a pastor. You're not preparing for what is right now. The enemy is in striking distance. You're preparing for what is ahead. Blacksmiths from the youngest, I love you, son. I cannot make it without you. I'm 79. We're going to make a connection and all hell is not going to stop us. Those of you ready right now, everybody from the back to the front, well, I don't go to the altar. This time you do. I want you to step out and say, I'm ready to be a blacksmith. Come now, right now. Fill up the front. Come, everybody. Come, 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 Come to the front. Some of you young folks, come up on the stage and make room for others. Come up here with me. I feel good with the young folk up here. Come up here. Young generation, come up here. Come. Come up here, young folks. Come on. Who can ever come up? Come up. Come on up. Look at me. Look at me. Come. Come. God bless you. I heard you sing. You're lethal. You're a blacksmith remnant. Those of you that are married, you remember he said, I'm going to make you a help meet? You know what that word means? You ready? Military ally. You didn't marry somebody just for your own benefit you married a military ally because you can't fight it alone. You got a warrior beside you. I want you to sing and I want you to offer to God. If you got any strands in your life that you're justifying, right now, shake them off. From the back to the front, I've given it all that I got.